Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're turning to the book of Hebrews. We find ourselves in chapter number 11. We're going to be looking at verses 20 through 22. If you had to put a title on this evening's message, it would be a very simple title of The Big Picture. Now, we've had people talk about, well, you're just not getting the big picture. And that could be true. Sometimes we live kind of in our little, in a little, uh, our little communities. You know, we, we go home the same way and we kind of have the same kind of routines. And kind of we go by the day by day and we lose sight of the big picture. That can happen within the church as well. I mean, you have your ministries, you have your involvement there, but we don't realize there's, there's more to it than just your little ministry. And we're grateful that you're in that ministry, but that's just one part of what the church is. A church of, is made up of a number of ministries. But what we have to understand, we got to be careful that we get caught up in our little world that we lose sight of the big picture. And the big picture is that we are a body of believers we're on the same page, and we might have our areas of ministry, but we're working together. And the purpose for us working together is to evangelize the lost and edify the saints. Okay, that's the big picture. The big picture goes beyond this neighborhood. The big picture goes beyond this county. The big picture goes beyond this state. The big picture goes beyond this world. We've been called to go into all the world to reach the lost that are dying on their way to hell, to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that involves our faith. As we've been going through chapter number 11, we see that it, uh, it's by faith, it's by faith, it's by faith. We now come to verse number 20. Going through verse 22, and we're going to see there are three that are mentioned here uh, in our text tonight. And we see these three are pictures, if you will, of what faith does and how it operates. Remember, the first part of chapter number 11 gives a description of what faith is. And then through the remainder of the chapter, we see it's a demonstration of what faith is. So you found yourself in verse number 20, chapter number 11. This is what the word reads. Now, before you say, well, wait a minute, where's your Kindle at? Well, I'm not going to give you the whole sordid story, but my Kindle was in another vehicle that I arrived in. And um, you're saying, but that looks like small print. It is. I cannot read what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But I got it in... Large in living colors. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and laugh at my handicap. Yeah. Oh, I feel it. I feel the love. <laughs> uh, I love y'all. Verse number 20, it says this. It says, By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. So the first one that we see mentioned here is Isaac. But it's kind of interesting how it mentions that he blessed both of those. 
We're fixing to look a little bit more. Why, why would we put Isaac in a picture of what faith looks like? We're just going to go back to that in just a moment. And then it goes on and reads and says, And Jacob, uh, it says, Jacob died, uh, and as he was dying, he uh, called Joseph and he blessed both of his sons. And then he worshiped as he was leaning on his staff. So we see Jacob is the second person that's made mention here in the passage that gives us a picture of what faith looks like and how it operates. And then it closes in verse number 22 and then says, Joseph. Now of all the three, uh, listen how it shows what Joseph's faith looked like. It said, in Joseph, as he was dying, he was departing, he made mention of the children of Israel and he gave command concerning his bones. Oh, here we're going to touch a little bit more, but I find it interesting that as we're looking at what faith does and how it operates, and when he makes mention of Joseph, he uses his death. Of all the things that we read about or where we saw how Joseph's faith was enacted, he uses his dying. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1, verse number 12, it says this. It says, I am not ashamed, knowing of whom I have believed, and are persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him. That's a definition of faith. Faith is when we have that reassurance that we, we have uh, no doubts about it, that what we, have, uh, what we have kept, what we have committed ourselves to, He will keep. Aren't you glad tonight that we serve a God who's a keeping God? And so here we see these three, uh, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we know that these are the three generations from Abraham. Abraham, we know that God made a covenant with Abraham. And when Abraham died, that promise that was given to Abraham was passed on to Isaac. And then we start to see the succession here. Now what does that say to us? Helps us to understand that you're here because of someone who went before you. I can remember my grandparents, both my, uh, especially my grandmoms. Uh, they were they were believers. They were uh, they were women of faith. And uh, when you went to visit them, it was no question if you're going to church, you went to church. But I understand that uh, because of their faith, and when I was a, a, a little fella, I would look up to them and I watched how they operate. I didn't really pay so much attention to the way they were talking, but I was paying attention about how they were walking. And because of that, even when I was lost, 
And as I was growing up to be a teenager now, uh, that I looked to them. And then uh, later on, they were, of course, uh, both of them, uh, my mom's uh, mom, she was 88 when she went to be with the Lord. And my dad's mom was 91. And I can remember as they are going into their uh, older years, and I'm starting to grow. And especially when I got called to the ministry, uh, they would be so excited. Now, understand, they were of the different denomination than what I was a part of. They were Church of Christ. I was a Baptist. That really didn't enter into what they did for me. Now, I understand we have our differences. I understand the doctrinal difference. I understand all of that. But as I talked to a dear Presbyterian lady... When we get there, he's not going to ask what denomination we belong to. He's going to ask what we did with Jesus. And both of my grandparents loved Jesus, loved Jesus with all their heart. When, they, uh, when I surrendered and they found out I had surrendered to the pastorate, they weren't upset that I was not going to be church Christ. They weren't upset that I became a Baptist. They were excited that I got called of God and they prayed over me. And I can still feel it today. They would take their hands and put them on my head and they would pray for me and ask God to be with me. And because of that, I'm able to be where I'm at today. See, Abraham, the promise was given to him, but he passed it on through generations. You here tonight, you also have that responsibility, that the faith that you are, uh, are, are a part of, and because of your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, you've passed that on to your children, and their children have passed it on to their grandchildren, and we see how it all goes. But it all started because somebody, because of somebody's faith, every one of you are here tonight because of someone else's faith that was enacted into your life. And I'm grateful for that. So Abraham, we see that he was given the promise, but he uh, passed that on to Isaac. But then we also say, and as the Scriptures goes on, it says that and they, uh, they would die, and it talks about their death. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13, it says that they, they, were, they were living in their faith. Their faith was alive even while they were dying. What we need to understand tonight is faith makes a difference in the way you live. But my dear friend, it makes a difference in the way you die. And we see that in these three. First of all, we see Isaac. Now, Isaac understood what faith looked like. It was Isaac, if you remember, that his daddy, Abraham, took him up to be offered unto God. We've mentioned that this morning, but we see that Abraham, because of his faith, took his son and he was able to, was going to go ahead and present him onto the altar. And Isaac was the one that was asking questions, Lord, what is all this about? And Abraham kept on saying, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. See, that's an action of faith. We have to understand, we might not figure this out. It doesn't make any sense. Don't you think Abraham had, Abraham had those thoughts? Lord, I don't understand. Why are, you let, why are you wanting my son? Why are you wanting me to do that? But he says, the Lord will provide. See, he came to understand, even though it doesn't make any sense, Abraham was obedient because of his faith. And because of his faith, God honored that. And God provided a ram. Abraham, Isaac 
was understanding of that. He saw that in picture. But we also see when you go to Genesis chapter 24, he saw how faith uh, worked in the selection of his wife. We all know the story and don't have time to, to go and give all the details. But we see how God was working in that situation as well. And of course, he found his wife, and that wife was Rebecca. And so Isaac was not a stranger to seeing faith in action. But now we see uh, that he has a dilemma on his hand, if you will. He has a, a boy by the name of Esau and by the name of Jacob. Esau was, was the oldest, Jacob was the youngest. And the Bible tells us uh, that uh, there was some difference of opinion in the household there. We know that Jacob, uh, because of his uh, instruction of his uh, mama, went in and deceived his own daddy. Jacob went in and he got the birthright that was going to be attended uh, to uh, Esau. We know that story. But then Isaac found out, but he did not reverse it. Why is that? Faith. Because we see in Genesis chapter 25, verse number 23, God had told Isaac back some time ago that the, the blessing was supposed to go to who is intended to, and of course he says that the elder, who's the eldest one? That would be Esau, right? That the elder would serve the younger. Jacob was the youngest. And so when we see this in action, he didn't reverse that. Now why didn't he reverse it when he found out it was wrong? Here's where faith, faith kicks in. Is faith is not what the flesh does, it's what God says. You with me? Faith is not resting on what we do in the flesh. Faith rests upon what God says. And so we see Isaac... Even though he oh, was out of the will of God, he went ahead and did what the right thing was to do. And so we see Isaac as a picture here. Now, when we say uh, verse, next verse, verse number 21, we see Jacob. Now, Jacob, God appeared to Jacob five times. And the five times that Jacob was approached by God, it was always because of correction. Jacob, he was the deceiver. Jacob was the one that always had a scheme going on. Now, what does that have to say to us? It helps us to understand that God uses imperfect people. Aren't you glad? None of us have arrived. We all have our quirks about us. We all have our issues, do we not? And so here, uh, Jacob was a deceiver, but yet God was still able to use him. Can you imagine what Jacob would have been up to if God hadn't saved him? Some of you can have testimony here tonight. You're thinking, oh, you think I got issues now? You should have seen me before I met Jesus. 
Aren't you glad that he's taken something that was imperfect? Aren't you glad that he took something that was not done? And he's still working on you and, and he's still trying to mold you and he's still trying to shape you into his image. I don't know about you, but society says uh, that we go ahead, get rid of him. He's no good. Just go ahead and kick him to the curb. But God says, oh, I don't see, uh, I don't see uh, any uh, problems there. Yeah, he's got his issues, but I still think I can do a work in his life. And because he's the author and finisher of our faith, one day we will be formed into perfection. Our imperfect, our character defects, all that's going to take care of itself. One sweet, glorious day. Aren't you glad God uses imperfect people? And so we see here that Jacob... Now, Jacob also... We see that uh, he wrestled with God. Now, when he was wrestling with God, uh, and we see, of course, God won that. And some people say, well, you know, that's a picture of salvation. And, and, and I understand that. So it comes a time when you just have to wrestle with God. And, and then notice, while they were wrestling, the Bible says that God touched him. And he never walked the same after he wrestled with God. He had a limp about him. The Bible says he touched him with his hip, broke his hip. So now he's walking around. Oh, what a testimony I'm sure that was used for. And it says, man, what happened to you? <laughs> Wrestle with God. <laughs> oh, really? Yep, wrestled with God. Now understand, it could be that some of us are not where we ought to be is because we haven't wrestled with God. It's okay to wrestle with God. Because when you're wrestling with God, we understand that God always wins. And it could be that your walk is not what it should be because you haven't wrestled with God. Some people say, you know, I, I, my, faith is, my faith is so weak. Why is your faith so weak? Well, I'm just not trusting like I ought to, or I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. It could be you just need to get in a wrestling match with God and let God touch you. And when God really touches you, your walk will never be the same again. And so we see uh, he goes and he walks. But also something else happened. His name was changed. Now understand, this is a picture of salvation, saving faith. Because when you wrestle with God and when God touches you and when you realize that He's a lot lot bigger than you are, He's a lot stronger than you are, and when you understand you're weak but He's mighty, when you call upon His wonderful, glorious, and by faith accept Him as your Lord and Savior, He changes your name. So your name before was sinner. The name that you had before was destined for hell. 
The name that you had before him was pagan or a heathen. And we can go on through the, the adjectives that we can describe us as lost people. But here's what happens. When you meet Jesus Christ, when you wrestle with Jesus Christ, and by faith you recognize that he needs to be your Lord, he needs to be your master, and by faith you just trust in him and you'll say, Lord, I'm taking you at your word. Your word tells me if I confess my sins, I repent of my sins and if I call upon your wonderful name you will save me and you will change me and I'll never walk the same again then your name now has been called righteous, blameless holy, we can go on through the list. I don't know about you could it be there's somebody here tonight that needs to wrestle with God because your walk's not like it ought to be and your name needs to be changed and I'm telling you by the authority of the word of God he can change your name and he can change your walk tonight And so we see Jacob. But notice here, not only the name change, but we see that he had a face-in-face encounter with the Lord. The Bible tells us that when we come into his presence, we should fall on our face. We see through the Bible, Moses... Oh, said when that burning bush that he could not look at him face to face. But now we need to understand there's a time when you just need to go one-on-one and you need to go face to face with the Lord Jesus. You need to have a conversation with Jesus. And you, you need to talk to him. And, and you need to, to tell him oh, that you're wanting to change. And you need to tell him of your sins. And you need to repent of your sins. And then face to face. Because when you look face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of the Lord will forever change how you operate from now on. Could it be that many of our churches have not seen the glory of God because... We haven't changed our walk. Our name hasn't been changed. And we hadn't got along with God. And many of our churches are operating like that. I can be in many churches where the glory of God had gone. Oh, they talk about the glory in the past. But they're not talking about it now. I don't know about you, but that should burden us as a church family That we want to see the glory of God. And if we really want to see the glory of God, then we're going to have to get honest with God. Some of you need to wrestle with God. Some of you, He needs to touch in a way that your walk will never be the same. I'm not just talking about lost people. I'm talking about saved people. It's amazing to me how so much the world has crept into the church where we no longer want to be different. We want to kind of blend in. Could that be that's the reason why we're not seeing the manifestation of the Lord working in our midst? Because uh, it's hard for a lost world to distinguish what side we're on. On Mondays uh, through Saturday, we're on this side. But on Sundays, we're on this side. And they're seeing the hypocrisy of that. And they're saying, if that's what it's about, I don't need no part of that. Folks, we need to get our walk changed. We, we, need, we need to have our name changed. And we need to be able to go one-on-one with the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him, Lord, whatever it takes... Would you just fall fresh on me? 
But then we also see, talks about Joseph here. But before we leave, Jacob, of course, we see on his dying deathbed, he calls Joseph in and he blesses his two sons. Now, this is where, I don't care how advanced in your age that you are in, but you need to understand that your faith walk uh, goes until he calls you home. Because we've got in, bought into this, because we've reached a certain age, then we can just go ahead and back up a little bit. Nowhere in the Scriptures do you find that. Matter of fact, the Bible is quite clear that we are to serve Him into our dying day. And while we're dying, we're still to be serving Him. And our faith is going to enable us to strengthen us and help us to realize there are those who are behind us and they're watching. They're not watching when everything's going well, but they're watching when everything goes upside down in your life and you're still faithful to your walk of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even on your deathbed, you're able to still praise His holy name. You're still to give a witness and a testimony to Him. That's when they'll take notice. So Joseph, uh, Joseph's two boys, that was Ephraim and Manasseh. And here we see God is still using Jacob even on his deathbed because he reverses the order and he says that Ephraim is going to be the stronger of the two. He prophesied that. See, God was still using him even on his deathbed. But now we turn to Joseph in chapter verse number 22. And Joseph... Now, if Joseph had any... Joseph of all could have easily said, what's the use of continue walking in faith? May I remind you that Joseph, his brothers, were wanting to have him killed. May I also remind you he lived in a pagan land. May I also remind you that uh, he was lied about. Uh, he was also mistreated. Joseph, now the Bible, we understand Joseph was just a man, but there's no recorded, nothing recorded of when Joseph sinned. He was a man of faith. And he had every reason why he could back up. See, it's interesting to me that when we start getting in uh, difficult situations, we're ready to go ahead and bail out. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, has anybody here, have you had a family member that put a hit on you? Joseph did. Do, do you, do, does anybody here, did, has anybody lie, been lied on? Oh, no, that would never happen. I mean, has anybody had been placed on Facebook and somebody said something about you that was totally taken out of context and, and it was not what you originally said? Oh, no, no, that wouldn't happen. All that happened to Joseph. Also, have you been mistreated? I mean, we, we hear people, uh, I'm hearing people going out there and, and they say, well, hey, you know, uh, do you have a church home? Well, I don't go to church anymore. Well, why don't you go to church? They mistreated me down there at that church. And because of that, I decided I'll just stay home. Joseph got mistreated. 
Well, they said some things about me, and I just can't get over it. Joseph did. Oh, my family, my family is dysfunctional. Oh, land sakes. Oh, bless your little heart. I meet families, and I have a family. All of us are messed up. Am I not telling you the truth? We all have those crazy uncles that we hope doesn't show up for the family reunion. Some of you are that crazy uncle. <laughs> we, have, we have battles with in-laws. Well, you know, my mother-in-law, she doesn't like me. And, and that's the reason I don't go to church. What's wrong with us? Joseph had a messed up family, but yet he was still a man of faith. He still walked with the Lord Jesus. See, Joseph, Joseph, it didn't bother him that he, uh, if he was a member uh, of this congregation. It wouldn't bother him if somebody said uh, something uh, that hurt his feelings. That wouldn't bother Joseph at all. Man, he'd just keep on trucking. And he says, well, Joseph, I don't understand. Why would you take something like that? Why would you go to a church that would treat you like that? Joseph would say something like, well, I ain't going for the people. I'm going because I'm serving my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I got my eyes on the author and finisher of my faith. And I don't care what happens down here. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care how they treat me. All I know is my Jesus died for me and my Jesus will take care of me. And one sweet glorious day, I won't have to put up with any of this mess. I will be worshiping him forever and forever and forever. My dear friend, Joseph would tell you, if you're saying I've been mistreated, Joseph would tell you, I've been lied about. Joseph would tell you, get over it. And put your eyes where they ought to be. I ain't coming for you and I have nothing against you. But I don't come to worship you. I've come to worship my Jesus. And I'm telling you, Satan does everything he can to distract us. And he knows he can distract us because our walk is not where it should be. And it's because we haven't wrestled with God. And it's because our name hasn't been changed. And it's because we hadn't had a one-on-one face-to-face encounter with a living God. And so Satan says, easy pickings. All I have to do is get somebody to say a word or two about them. Joseph was a man of faith. But isn't it interesting of all the things that could be recorded about Joseph pertaining to his faith, they mentioned his death. No, the text says, Joseph told his brothers that do not bury my bones in Egypt. Now, why was he so concerned about where his bones were going to be? Because he understood, because of his faith, he was even in his death showing where his faith really lies. Egypt is always a picture of the world. Joseph didn't want to be associated with the world, even in his death. 
And he says, don't bury me in Egypt because Egypt's not my home. If you're a person of faith, your home is not down here. Your home is in heaven. And even in your death, you can give testimony of what your faith really looks like. Today we had a memorial service. These last few weeks, we've been to the funeral home quite a bit. It's interesting what we do at funerals and what we say at funerals. And we have all hear people make comments and all of that. But my children and my grandchildren, this is what I would hope they would say when, as my children say, when you're on display. That when you come by and you look at me and you'll talk to my children or my grandchildren, they'll say, your papa, your papa was a man of faith. We saw how he suffered at the end. He still had his faith. We saw how he acted to when he got the bad report. He was a man of faith. And as they go by, my children would hear their papa was a man of faith. Your papa loved Jesus. Your papa didn't even talk, just didn't talk about his faith, but he showed his faith. That's exactly what Joseph did. My dear friend, have you ever thought, and as I'm getting older, I, I start thinking about these things a little bit more than I used to. What do you hope that when you're on display, they're going to say about you? Because your faith changes the way you live, but your faith changes the way you die. And the way you die speaks volumes to those who are left behind. Joseph, Isaac, Jacob, we all see that none of them were perfect men, but they serve a perfect God. And their walk was up and down, up and down, just like ours is. But when it came to the end, what really mattered was they stuck with it. And now, tonight, we're reading about their faith with the understanding that they were imperfect. They had their issues, but God still was able to use them for His glory and for His honor. Tonight, can they say that about you? Can they say that, yeah, he's, he had some issues, but one thing I can tell you is that he knew God. He walked with God. And he always didn't do it right. But I knew his heart. His heart was like the heart of David where he was wanting to serve and he was wanting to worship 
and he was wanting to glorify his Lord. Even with David's issue, he was still, the Bible says, a man after God's own heart. Can we say that about you tonight? 